Hello, everyone, and welcome to Paul and Moses Play, a celebration of games and play, and a deep dive into video games and what make them so special to us. I'm your host, Paul Berberich, and with me, as always, is Dr. Moses Wolfenstein. Hello, Moses. Hello, Paul. We're back. Hello. We're back indeed, and what a show we have for you today. I know, we're going big. We're going big, episode 30. Oh, wow, is it really? Yeah. That, that can't be right, and yet it is, because we're ranking 29. Yep. Boom. Boom, indeed, mind blown. I yeah. even had a thought, I'm like, should we do two rankings so that there's parity between the two, but there's really no... I since you didn't mention that to me in advance of the episode, it would be a real stumper. We just have to yeah. like, uh, you know, it might be a little bit long as I like talk out loud about about my game ranks, but I do have my rank set for this week. Nice, as do I. And uh, I, uh, I don't have a what I love about this week because uh, really it was just going to be more Outer Wilds. <laughs> um, and I don't want to really say too much or really much at all. Anything at all. Um, the DLC is incredible. It's almost just a whole, like, it's almost a, a sequel in terms of like length, at least like wow. it, it goes and goes and then goes deeper when you think it might not have anything more to show you. Um, it's almost like an episode. I like it. Oh my God. It's so good and so smart. And like the thematic storytelling and uh metaphor like visual metaphor gameplay metaphors the way they slowly gradually start dripping you these clues and these little hints and then eventually you're like oh oh and i, I can't it's the it's the only game that could be a dlc to outer wilds and only outer wilds could have a dlc like this like I can't wait to see what this team does next because they are true artists. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, that is all I will say. And we'll certainly, you know, I mean, Disco Elysium is a long and winding road, uh, but maybe on the other yeah, side I have of in that... fact failed to put another foot on, but, uh, but the good news is it hasn't all been because of Apex. <laughs> put another foot on. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm not, I, I failed to take a single step down that road. And I'll tell you, I do think I have a little bit of, um, uh, inertia when it comes to gaming on on the laptop right now, mm. um, where I just feel like I'd much rather sit down or stand up at the console either way. Yeah. And I mean, that's the thing. It comes and goes. Uh, I still, uh, you know, still have to finish Loop Hero. Right. And that's not because I don't want to, but I think it's mostly the same reason, motivating myself to come back to my workspace while I'm still working from home um, almost entirely and come back to the same desk uh, for gaming, it's, it's just a little bit of a bigger lift than being yeah. like, oh, let me totally change my headspace and space up and get a controller in my hands and like, you know, play something else. But uh, I honestly, I have a commitment to myself this week to tread further down the winding path of Disco Elysium because it's so got me hooked conceptually yeah, I, I just need to overcome that. Like, you know what? Just come back to your damn desk and do the damn thing. Yeah. And I'm assuming it's the definitive edition, right? The Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I didn't spend the extra money for the soundtrack, although I was tempted, but I was like, I'm doing this like without without knowing. And yeah. I, I, 
I just can't really justify a random game soundtrack when I, I'm not even listening to most music that I have these days. Um, right. Although I have a suspicion it'd probably be worth it, but yeah. Not to mention if you really, if a track really grabs you, there's YouTube, you know, and obviously mm-hmm. we want to support artists, which, but you've already done so by, by buying the game. So indeed. Uh, and on the subject of soundtracks, so this uh, YouTube uh, creator, Zully the Witch that I've mentioned a few times has been using uh, Kingsfield songs from well from Kingsfield uh, on their YouTube videos <laughs> and man what a mood yeah you sent me one of those uh that was just just the soundtrack it wasn't yeah you know I was like okay that's definitely striking and uh really dang. inaccessible to us as a gaming experience but spot on as a musical experience well I mean they did localize it uh for the PlayStation hmm. 2 uh-huh. um and I, I hear Kingsfield 4, which might be Kingsfield 3 over here, is kind of the best. It was the final in the series. So, uh, yeah, my hope is that there comes a time when you and I can sit down around a, a PS2 and check that shit out. Yeah, I gave mine away many, many moons ago, but uh, that does not make it an inaccessible objective. Yeah. That would be, that'd be awesome. I mean, by all counts, the... Uh, you know, from soft difficulty that we know and love uh, has its origins in those earlier games. It's uh, that they don't they don't pull punches, right? Just because they're a uh, you know different different UI, different uh, style of game, right? Well, speaking of all counts, I think it is time to add another count to our game ranks. Number twenty nine. It's game ranks. Here it comes, number twenty nine. Here it comes. What? do you have for us Moses well for episode 30 I do have a a momentous rank and I mean 30 isn't really that momentous a number in terms of the ranking as it is feels bigger to me as an episode in our sets of 10 um you know carcass on iOS I I dropped it down to 15 a while back and I was looking at where to fit this game into the list I felt 15 was a really good spot for half-life 2 Ooh boy uh, but in the process, I'm going to kick uh, the Carcassonne for iOS down below Super Meat Boy. Okay. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to trail the list for now. It's an important game to me by the sheer amount of time I've played it, especially on airplanes. Uh, but Half-Life 2 mm. is going to grab that prime number 15 spot here on my list. An epic game. You have ranked one, or one, the original, but not two yet, if I recall correctly. Um, I think I put Half-Life 2 on just... Or maybe you have them the both in your list now. Yeah, actually, maybe you maybe Or no, you I do. don't. I don't. Just Half-Life. Maybe you right. don't. Yep. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. The Schrodinger's list. Until you open it up <laughs> and check, <laughs> this game could or could not have been ranked yet. And that's what happens when you have 29 games on your list. <laughs> Especially when you're on episode 30. It's all very confusing. It gets very confusing. But um, having not played, as previously discussed on this pod, the original... Uh, Half-Life 2 is the Half-Life experience for me. And yeah. I do mean this to be to be all-encompassing uh, episodes one through three. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> episode one being Half-Life 2, episode two being Half-Life 2, episode one, etc. And so on to uh, episode two, which was, I mean, honestly, fantastic. Oh, yeah. Uh, left us wanting so much more that we'll never have. but But that's okay. It's such a definitive game. And it was another one of those key steps in terms of my path. You know, obviously I got it with the orange box. So I got it at the same time uh, as, as portal. Mm-hmm. And because of uh, the almost haiku like quality, at least in, 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 in game form 
of Portal. It does con continue to sit, sit much higher on my list. Um, but Half-Life 2 is, I think, a definitive game for the FPS genre in terms of single-player experiences. Mm -hmm. um, it did things that uh, if they hadn't been done, if they'd been done before, hadn't been done as well previously. And it, it just, it did it so well. It created a world that, as I've mentioned, when we were talking about a, a, what I love about a while back, when I came across uh, the map sewn together, they created a world that has such beautiful continuity to it. Mm -hmm. oh, beautiful is maybe not the, quite the right, the right phrase at times. Um, and as far as post-apocalyptic visions, one that is so eerily similar in kind of architectural elements and such to parts of our, our, our world at times. Mm -hmm. um, and yet such an absolute and total departure at, at other times, which is kind of a sweet spot, I think, in terms yeah. of especially when you're touching post-apocalyptic spaces or, uh, you know, alternative world type spaces for, for really drawing you in and, and getting you to suspend disbelief and immerse yourself in that in that world. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, a little, I mean, they're well beyond the creeping phase, but the, the creeping uh, authoritarianism uh, bent that we see uh, in our, in our world. Uh, yeah. It's a bit chilling as well. Too easy to project in, into an outcome that looks something like that with an advanced technology, um, but a, a regressive form of government, right? Mm -hmm. um, it Obviously it's been captured in many fictions, whether in, in game worlds or, or other media, but certainly it has a resonance and, uh, and that's a thing. And then of course it has some really well-built characters, not including really our protagonist who is you know, famously silent. Right. Um, but uh, as we've discussed, uh, Alex Vance and her, her father uh, in particular, of course, but they're uh, hardly the only characters populating. Well, I mean, it's not like it's a super extensive cast, but, um, but they're not the only characters populating the Half-Life world. Um, and I think that really speaks to, for that period of time, uh, game dev wise, just putting a lot into, into a handful of characters, mm -hmm. uh, just gives you so much to hang on to and that, you know, allowed them to go relatively light on, um, on, on VO, uh, you know, MP3, um, assets. Mm -hmm. So the game, it wasn't too, too cumbersome for, for what they could do at that point in time. And obviously we have plenty of games since then that have been able to lean much more heavily into having a lot of very fully voiced characters. And of course there are earlier games uh, that had cumbersome ROMs and or many, many discs. Uh, I believe we had, uh, you know, Dr. Mark Chen talking about that and on one of our, uh, one of our previous pods. So, mm -hmm. um, but using uh, some parsimony, using those characters to really good effect to, to create what feels like a, a meaningful world of relationships, but just kind of a handful of folks. Yeah, uh, and excellent voice acting, you know, and the scientist uh, Kleiner, that voice carrying over from the original right. Half-Life when they were, he was like the only voice for all the scientists is very amusing. And I, I just can't help but remember, like, you've maybe seen some of those meme type videos of like the scientists like yelling and just those little bursts of emotion that you get yes. from them. Uh, absolutely. So funny. Absolutely. I remember, and, um, you know, oh yeah, go on. Well, the, one of the first times I saw Half-Life 2 was in a software, et cetera, or a GameStop when they had like a TV pointing out into the mall. And I remember it was a moment when you're driving the buggy across this uh, deserty, you know, sandy area. And 
at that point in time, it looked like reality to me. Yeah. I had never seen a game. I think it was the frame rate had a big thing to do with it because I was very much a console gamer. So mm -hmm. I'm assuming this was like, you know, a high frame rate, crystal clear textures. And I was just agog. Like I am looking at real life when I see this. Yeah, it, it's definitely, it falls into that. Uh, the Uncanny Valley is a shifting target. And mm -hmm. um, for when it was released and what our expectations were of what could be rendered in a video game, it was, it was pretty, I, I came to it obviously a little later. Uh, Orange Box being the release of episode two. Um, but even so, it was uh, a pretty stunning level of render and frame rate that I just kind of hit a little bit of a soft reset on, on what, what we might expect out of video games in terms of verisimilitude. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, Well-deserved choice. Do you think you'll ever go back and, and play Half-Life? I think I could, actually. Yeah. I, it, it would not be out of the question. It's a bit of a time commitment. Yeah. Um, but I'll allude to this uh, for a completely different reason, but it brings to mind uh, something I'm going to mention, what I love about this week. Um, I don't want to spoiler that, so I'll just make the callback when we get there as to the one thing that might give me pause okay. uh, about re returning to Half-Life 2, uh, even though it is something that actually delights me. Yeah, uh, very good. Well, speaking of delights, my new number 24 is none other than Resident Evil 4. Okay, very nice. The game that showed me that I actually like Resident Evil and maybe not the old clunky PS1 games. You know, those are sort of a bridge too far. But um, there wasn't a game that looked like it on the GameCube. I don't know how they did it. It looked better than any other console at the time, this, this game. Um, and I don't remember the exact circumstances, except that my partner at the time was working there. But I, I first played it in a, a hotel room that I had to myself in Stoughton. Hmm. And I had to be there for the whole day or something, which was great because I got to set up my GameCube. And, you know, I was very suspicious of Resident Evil as a franchise. I wasn't planning on getting it, but the reviews were just so glowing. And I knew that it was sort of a reinvention of the series as well. Sure. And it was absolutely engrossing and, uh, and incredible. Um, just the, the first area that you get to uh, is so stressful. You are beset by an entire village of these uh, Granados, these, uh, uh, you know, zombie parasite uh, individuals. And they, they are trying as hard as they possibly can to get you and destroy you. You know, they're throwing axes at you, they're setting up ladders, they're breaking through windows, like you are in peril. And moments after you find the shotgun, oh, what's this? Uh, there's a guy rev revving up a chainsaw <laughs> and he's virtually indestructible at this point in the game. And you just have to survive for a certain amount of, of time basically. Uh, yeah. And it's hard. Like occasionally when I go back to replay it, I still die there. Uh, and just the, the intensity of it is, is unlike anything else. Um, you know, that's become a formulaic uh, tool that's often used, especially in zombie games. But I, I have to wonder if that might not have been one of the first ones to use uh, not as the whole game premise, but just for a specific set piece, the uh, time survival. Yeah. It was definitely the first time that I had, experienced something like that. Um, and uh, I'd also never played a game with shooting quite like this one, where 
you shoot a zombie in the knee and he's going to stumble a little bit, mm-hmm. or you shoot him in the arm and his shoulder jerks back. Uh, and from that point on, any game that didn't have that, where you're just like pumping bullets into something and they're not really reacting, just felt less intense and less interesting, you know? Absolutely. Um, I can not see to that. mention like the strategic layer of like, okay, kneecap this guy, run over here, shoot this axe out of the air that's hurtling towards my head. Um, and then of course we have the, uh, the beloved merchant, what are you buying guy, which uh, lives forever in our hearts. Um, and uh, it's also an extremely long game. I always forget just how long it is, but it's like a 40 hour game and a game in this genre, they normally don't stretch on that long, but it just keeps going and going. Uh, and it's hard, like it's challenging. Um, but then you get to upgrade your weapons and that feels so good every single time. You get a little more damage, find a new weapon. Um, and I, I kind of, it was another week where I was struggling. I had another game in mind, but when it came down to it, I was like, as much as it pains me to not put the other game on the list, I think I like this one more in, in the, the, the totality of, of time, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, and that's perfectly good reason to, to get it in the mix now. Although I will say one thing that I'm starting to, after the last few weeks of difficult rankings, I'm starting to relax on it just a little bit mm-hmm. and uh, realizing like, oh, you know what? <laughs> We've got nearly 30 games on the list and things can get shuffled. And that's a rule that we've agreed on. Right. So it becomes, it feels a little less essential to get it right, but I still use a similar metric in, in deciding what to rank this week. I, like, what am I excited to get on the list? You yeah. Know? yeah. I looked at, I was looking at all the stuff there and I was like, not only am I excited about this, it clearly isn't at the bottom of the, of where the list sits right now. And so like, that's a nice, it became a nice, and, and you made a similar choice. It's a, you know, this is not dropping in at number 29. This is like, mm-hmm. oh yeah. Okay. I got to get this in here. Where does it fit? Yeah. Yeah. The series uh, stumbled much like a kneecap zombie after <laughs> That, had to go um, there. Yeah, uh, Resident Evil Five was uh, was bad and quite problematic. Uh, Resident Evil Six was a mess, uh, and then once again they reinvented it with RE Seven with the first person camera. And RE Seven will be coming up on my list uh, soon because it is another incredible game. You know, when you were talking about the the sheer length of it, I was thinking like, yeah, much like a zombie, why won't you die? <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> um. So yeah, that is, uh, that is it for me with my new number 24. Um, stay tuned next week when we will uh, recap our top 30 games. We're going to have to get faster and faster as we go on with that. <laughs> right. Uh, much like zombies have in popular uh, culture. <laughs> and that was also actually running through my mind as you were mentioning, like yeah, that's one of the watermark points probably in terms of faster zombies. Hmm. I mean, these zombies aren't, that fast they're not shambling but they're not fast that's kind of what i meant though they're like but it was a gradual yes they're not the shambling zombies that we were like accustomed to expecting right, right, they, right, right. they move more like a normal a normal rate indeed indeed not quite not quite your fast zombies now right you're 28 days later <laughs> Ooh, good one all right let us uh press ahead then into the next segment of the show it's what i love about And Moses, I understand you have some love this week. 
I do. What I love about games that are not Half-Life 2, no, just kidding. That is not the callback I was going to make. Uh, what I love about games is sometimes they teach you humility. Mm. And sometimes the way they do that is when you're returning to a game that you've played before, and for the life of you, you cannot remember what the heck it was about like the level design or how to get through this place. And this is the reason why um, that would give me pause about returning to the Half-Life 2 saga is that it's been long enough and there are some difficult enough parts that I would be concerned about it taking more time than it should, so to speak. Uh, on the other hand, I've played the game to start to finish. So, you know, using a little bit of internet help in that context wouldn't be such a big deal. And internet help is in fact what I, what I had to reach for yesterday or the day before. I decided, screw it, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep playing this Pyromancer in Dark Souls, even though he, uh, you know, he's a bit, bit of a lost cause. Um, uh, in the event that I, that I piss anybody off, there will be no forgiveness for me. Uh, oh, right, right, right. Yeah. But I was like, you know what? Screw it. Um, let me just, let me just do this. And I have to tell you, I could not for the life of me, remember where the basement key was. Oh, and I shit. went all over the place and I went to the undead merchant and I was like, oh, he's got the key, the residence key. Maybe it's the residence key. I'd forgotten that it was called the basement key too. And, yeah. um, I think what happened is that I ran this pyromancer pretty darn fast from the start mm -hmm. of the game up to the gargoyles. But to some degree, I probably probably made her with the thinking of like, ah, oh, let me just see how fast I can get to the gargoyles. I've you know never really done that before. Um, it'd be pretty fun uh, to to come as close as I can to to kind of approaching a speed run, a, a Moses speed run of the game, as opposed to a normal Moses speed run of the game, which is not very fast at all, as as you well know. Um, so I didn't go back there behind the gate. I didn't pick up the damn key, which yes, it's behind the giant freaking gate. I didn't go, uh, I'd gone through and I'd probably killed the knights in the chapel. Okay. I hadn't gone through the door to go back out there and pick up the damn key. So is it by the stairway there? Yeah, it's right at the top of the stairs right on the, the, the stairs. left stand, left hand side if you're coming up them, right hand side if you're going down them coming okay. in from the chapel. If if I had I to... felt so humbled. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> if if I if you'd made me guess, I would have said that the Capra Demon or not. Uh, uh, yeah, the Capra Demon has it, but uh, no, the Taurus Demon. Um, well, is the no. Taurus Demon the one with the two dogs? Oh, no, it's the Capra Demon. You yeah. need to get to the Capra Demon, though. You need it to That's get to the, the Capra Demon. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, yes. it's the key that opens up the um, the door where the Taurus Demon abides at the bridge. Right. It's that little door in the side there. Right. And the funny thing is that was the first place I went and I thought, oh, I've probably already got the key for this. I didn't even check that fucking inventory. Yeah. <laughs> so I run up there. I slog through all of these guys. I probably die once uh, or maybe twice along the way just because they're annoying. You know, you got all these guys with shields. They're a little bit of a hassle. You can't just take them down with a fireball at any moment. Yada, yada, yada. And I get up there and I'm like, this door doesn't open. I can't open this door. And it <laughs> his full on the I can't open this door, etc. Yeah. <laughs> I had the exact same thing happen to me where I, I didn't have the basement key for some reason. Uh, this was who knows how long ago, but yeah. And it's just one of those little side, either that or I forgot where the basement key, what it did, what it opened. Because oh, that sure. little so door, like, you could so yeah. easily miss it, you know? Yep. 
And it's like, oh, doesn't open from this side. I could have sworn that door opens from this side. Mm-hmm. The one in the room across the bridge, which is ultimately like the, well, one of the, uh, one of the, one of the routes. I don't know. Yeah. So anyway, I haven't taken down Capra yet. I'm not, uh, not too worried about that. But really, that Dark Souls run is just my balance against my Dark Souls 3 when I'm like, I would like to make progress in something that feels like this game. And I don't want to restart an, a character on Dark Souls 3 right now. So mm-hmm. let's drop back over to Dark Souls. Um, all of which is to say Dark Souls is certainly a game that has humbled both of us many times. Um, but yeah. I do appreciate that that sometimes games can can really humble you and you think you're hot shit and you think I've done this before or I just rocked out that boss. I'm going to take the next one down easy or whatever it happens to be. And then just bam. No, you actually have to get better. And it's not get better at a fight. It's get better at a door. That's the worst part <laughs> of all. Yeah. <laughs> all right. uh, good stuff, man. Well, I wish you the best of luck in your continued adventures. in Lordran. As for us, we will move into the next feature of the show, which is Tell Me About. And uh, we actually, uh, in our next segment, we will have uh, the much alluded to uh, John, my younger brother, John, will be our special guest this week. So I was in a bit of a uh, fraternizing mood fraternational fraternal <laughs> there's there's that word i'm just trying to invent new words over here uh but bros are on the mind my bro and uh i was wondering this is a, a two-parter here if you could tell me about uh a game that uh your brother uh would be willing to play with you that you know you could beat him at uh video game preferred but board game uh is is also acceptable man this is a brutal question i think that i could probably beat my brother at a game of tetris in a in in a head-to-head nice format in uh in most most variants of it since the core of tetris is is pretty similar and you got some like weird stuff here and there uh but any of the versions of tetris that had a head-to-head um, even assuming that we both had to get kind of refreshed, say it was, you know, on like old school shared computer keyboard style versus having separate controllers versus whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I have no doubt that, that Gabe can rock some Tetris. I, I don't have a, a question about that, but because of Tetris effect, which again does sit at my number two spot, even though I have not pulled it up too recently, I've put a lot of time into Tetris recently. Mm-hmm. And nice. I feel pretty confident in, in my ability to take my brother on in Tetris and, and to beat him, at least initially, at least mm-hmm. initially, you know, obviously in a, you know, a number of, uh, of head-to-head matches time over time, if we kept at it, uh, you know how things tend to go. They, they tend to level out if one player has a competitive edge, if you're both willing to stick with it, eventually the other player does start to come up in, in skill. Right. Um, but yeah, I think Tetris is going to, going to have to be my best possible answer to this question without having to really dig around. And, you know, I'm sure there are a lot of games that Gabe could beat me at anyway. So, yeah. Uh, cool. Uh, the second part of that question is, uh, looking back, uh, to your time as kids, what game did Gabe beat you at when you were growing up? Much harder question. I don't think (laughs) that we actually did. So again, we didn't have a console in the house growing up. So while we both did computer gaming, mm-hmm. 
and console gaming at, at friends' places. Um, I don't think we actually did much in the way of, if any, in the way of head-to-head at home. So no, no ice hockey. No, I know. That would be obviously such a good go-to example. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, I think the four years between us, Gabe was born in 72. I think that the NES was a lesser platform in terms of predominance among his friends. Okay. And it was against mine for whatever reasons. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, um, so this is, this is a genuine, I'm trying to think of, you know, the other answer is that when it comes to like board games, the answer would be basically any of them. He was four okay. years older than me. Yeah, <laughs> like, uh, like I don't know. Stratego comes to mind for some reason. <laughs> oh man, that's a classic older brother beating you game. Exactly, exactly. So yeah, I'm afraid I don't have a convincing answer, and maybe I will have to ask him hmm. for his perspective. Does he remember beating me at any computer games uh, or other video games when we were kids? Uh, you know, we would have been more likely to be playing something like Moon Patrol mm-hmm. and hot seating it. And so beating in that case would not be formal, but rather, you know, who got the higher score. Yeah. Um, which certainly would be, uh, you know, a, uh, a viable metric. And, and again, my brother would have beaten me at all of the games in terms of high scores. When That was going to we were... be my next question, is if there was one that you could squeak by. On, on yeah, the high score list, but definitely, definitely. I think Moon Patrol, probably Choplifter for that matter. Yeah. But but Moon Patrol is definitely the first one that comes to mind. Load Runner. I don't remember if Load Runner. It must have had a high score screen. I don't remember. But Moon Patrol certainly did because it was a full-on arcade style game. Yeah. So including with with you know an actual arcane ca- arcade cabinet. Um but that one's an that one's an easy go-to for me to, yeah. to fill in the blank on that one. Nice. Um, cool. Yeah. Maybe we'll have him on in, in the future as well. That, that could be, that could be fun. Yeah, we definitely, you know, um, with, uh, the pandemic's impact on his work schedule, I know he hasn't had as much time for gaming. I've been trying to get him to play apex with me for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but I think that, uh, that is an inevitability. Um, as long as, as long as we survive on the podcasting front sooner or later, definitely going to get Gabe on here as a guest. It'll be excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, all right. You got to tell me about. Sure. I gotta, about. I'm going to flip my what I loved about into a tell me about a time when a game humbled you. Yeah. Um, Obviously, there's going to be, you know, we've all got plenty to pick from. So I figured that would just be a fun, fun little anecdote moment. Sure. The very first thing that flashed into my head is, oh, man, um, it was one of the uh etrian odyssey games i i believe yes uh which i'd never played before but in theory i would love it um it's an rpg that has significant uh cartography elements to it and i was like yeah i mean that does sound good like i want to yeah i want to draw my own map and and figure this out uh but no i didn't because it's it's hard and it slows down sort of the pace of the game and my brain was not as as willing to to go on that journey with me as as i had wished and 
I, I kind of bounced off of it. Um, the, the other thing that popped in my head uh, is a game called Ancient Domains of Mystery, mm-hmm. which is a, a classic roguelike ASCII-based, which John uh, and my older brother Luke have both beaten uh, really? Luke multiple times, including these insane challenge runs. John, I know at least once, but man, would they lord it over me that they have both beaten Adam and I just didn't have the patience. I would make stupid mistakes and get in trouble and die. Uh, and then that was it. And uh, just those crushing defeats where like a Emperor Moloch is, is punching through your armor and and like three shotting you you know and it's like well don't go toe to toe with a moloch every you know duh <laughs> uh but adam was per, was a perpetual humbling machine to be sure yeah i mean you introduced me to adam and we just did a, a few uh, a few runs just to see how how it would go uh, predictably uh badly or well depending on your perspective but that that's a humbling enough game as is it's right up there with um uh ang band mm-hmm. as far as like legendary difficult roguelike games that people regularly do like crazy speed runs and other like shenanigans where you're just like okay i it's beyond me yeah but then to be to, to have your younger brother lording it over you on that one that definitely does add the extra the extra level there yeah and then we've got luke like playing as a, a halfling farmer <laughs> and beating the game with that like making crops i don't even know how the fuck any of that works like you're so weak but there there he goes you know um well speaking of brothers i believe it's uh, time for our guest segment please welcome to the show john berberich hello john hey hey. thanks for uh, having me on after i don't know 15 episodes or 10 episodes however long it's been i've lost track you certainly have. We're up. This is episode thirty. Double, double my prediction, triple it. Yeah, but, but uh, it, we've, you know, you've been invoked uh, many times over over the last twenty nine episodes. So there's already a little bit established in people's minds. Yeah, what they might, yeah, what they might have to to deal with the two of us back together, <laughs> chatting about games. Well, I mean, there. You know, I was going to say, I don't know, obviously, the text of all 30 episodes, but I have uh, listened to some over the last few months. So I can only imagine, you know, obviously, growing up together, the the level of interaction with the games that we both played. I mean, a lot of the stories that Paul is going to be sharing will have me in there somewhere, along with, um, you know, others others we know, so... Oh, yeah. yeah, it's kind of fun to come into it uh, with that perspective. Yeah, even uh, even earlier in this very same episode. Yeah. Well, you know, the Sonic and Tails days and then stealing the, the memory card to play Final Fantasy IX while I was at work, you know, all these. Yeah. Uh, oh, and oh, the, the shame of, of Adom. Uh, how many times mm-hmm. did you beat Adom, by the way? Was it just the once or? I want to say four, four or five times. Um, okay. And I don't think that's a boast. If anything, that's a mark against me. Um, <laughs> well, then where does that put uh, me? <laughs> well, then no. I mean, you were the wise one to be like, "What? What am I devoting so much of myself to this?" You know. Well, were that that were the I mean, case, I, I was in fact trying yeah. as hard as I could. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and that's one of the things I wanted to touch on 
you know, coming coming on was this idea in my mind, and I mean jokingly, of course, but the two brothers, the, you know, three and a half years uh, separates us. Paul is known, you know, as this established gamer. It's a the culture is a big part of his life. Uh, it's a passion of his. Uh, you know, this show proves that his his whole uh, you know past years have proved that. You know, I'm very much someone that grew up with them as well, enjoyed them, not, you know, especially years, years past now, not to the same extent, but I can look back and, you know, I'm right there with them for a lot of those moments. But jokingly in my head, I was thinking today, like, was, was I uh, the better gamer? <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> it's a throwaway, it's a laugh. I mean, I'm not, uh, you know. We, we know Paul has a much more prolific career, but talking about some of these more technical games or just these harder struggles, like there, there is a lot of evidence to say, oh, okay. <laughs> like for the, the time you were around, you were, you were at a slightly higher level at um, Adam being one of them. I have others I can bring up, but I can just start with that. Well, the games you chose to play, you often did excel and it, it was a lot more of the cerebral types of games you know chess is a great example of that like you are someone who has enjoyed chess and i've never wanted to devote the time but like uh the combat mission game that you and luke would play this ultra realistic military you know uh strategy game and it was just beyond my willingness to like comprehend and uh no, I, I think it's I think it's a point well taken. My first question for you, John, uh, what's the first game you remember playing? Uh, as I sit here and it kind of floods in, I guess it was the Nintendo, not the Super Nintendo. So the Nintendo Duck Hunter with the Ooh. with the pistol. I mean, that's yeah. all right. And that's that's pretty early. I mean, what what year could we say for that? I think it was eighty five. Or... Yeah. Maybe we didn't get it until 87. Um, but I mean, it was definitely around, you know. And I was just thinking about Duck Hunt, and I actually have to put that mm -hmm. on my list because that was a hell of a game. Well, yeah, and it I mean, it, it must be. I can't think of what else I would have been playing before that. But it, just thinking about it now, just this silly idea that the first game you play here, your brother or your pops puts this gun in your hand. <laughs> And you're just like, this. This is what you do now, and it's plugged in to this console, and here's a gun, and immediately it just takes hold of your mind. Yeah. So yeah, not even the controller, like first, but the right. Gun. And I remember we had the cartridge that we had had both Mario Brothers and Duck Hunt on yeah. the same cartridge. So you, I'm sure you played Mario Bros as well. I mean, it was yep. very hard for me. I'm sure even more so for you being being younger, but uh didn't you have to like shoot the like the game would turn on and you'd have to shoot the game you wanted to play even or yeah. like here are your two options, you know, Mario. And I'm sure you could do it with the controller as well. But I it seems like I remember having to shoot by choose by shooting. Yeah. Which is an interesting uh way to just kick it off immediately. The gameplay is right there at the beginning. Yep. And it had that, the zapper had like that great clicking, ching, mm -hmm. ching, ching, you know, kind of feel. Mm -hmm. 
did it come with gyromite in this in a single cart we didn't have gyromite we were not a gyromite okay, okay. house yeah yeah well you didn't have to have robbie the robot to, to oh, play gyromite okay and i i kind of vaguely remember all three of those games somehow being on a single cartridge but that might be entirely uh wrong i definitely remember that that the very least that uh yeah that those two games were definitely on a single cart yeah what a what a cart the double uh, my uh, second question, John, what's the first game you remember beating? That might just have to go straight to some of the games I took more of an interest in later on. Because I don't think I ever, you know, talking about the Super Nintendo and then the Nintendo 64, I don't think I ever really uh, was grabbed by a lot of those where I would just kind of play them through you playing them or other people. Mm -hmm. So I don't remember beating any of those. Especially, you know, the Mario ones are pretty, pretty long-winded. So it'd probably be like a PlayStation RPG where, you know, obviously those, you, you know, a couple of the ones that I really got into. Um, and I, it was probably like Chrono Trigger. Chrono Cross. Or Cross, Cross rather. Yeah. If that, if that came before Final Fantasy, and I think it did. It did. I, yeah. So I think... Um, you know, just off the top of my head, that was probably the one where it's like, okay, you're old enough now, you, you know, you're not really understanding larger storylines, but I was thinking a little bit today about like the emotional resonance a lot of those games have. And when you're a kid, all that stuff is, well, it's not developed yet, you know, just these larger concepts in life. And here you're playing this game created by adults and you're just kind of being thrown into this not really knowing some of the finer details but you're getting all the emotion that comes with it so mm. thinking yeah. back to that like that's what grabbed me like these amazing like stories and characters and music and yeah, yeah like I can't really name like oh this was the overarching story of the game but you're just brought in and uh, yeah that was that'd probably be the first one um, nice. Yeah, the music in that game stands out so good. Uh, and the story was crazy convoluted. I, I couldn't even tell you what it was. Um, this doesn't, you know, it was co-op, so it, it's debatable. Uh, but you and I beat ToeJam & Earl a yeah. number of times yeah. in the earlier right. days. So that yeah. one also comes to mind. Well, I mean, there's just so much history there. Yeah. And that's why it's fun to just kind of, you know, off the top of your head, try and recall without really doing a year by year breakdown. Yeah. But yeah, now all of a sudden I'm remembering all of those Genesis games yeah. and the, uh, the the one with the Sega CD, you know, had some mm -hmm. games to enjoyed. But again, yeah. I don't think I was as into like seeing those through Toe Jam Neural, definitely. But yeah. Oh, I like how you're seizing the moment. One of the very rare opportunities with a guest where you can correct them on a question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even better that it's a family. Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, all right. Well, my last question, John, what's your favorite game? Probably Final Fantasy IX. I mean, that's, you know, Chrono Trigger is right there. But those were two that kind of came back to back, and it's hard to pick between the two. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah. Final Fantasy IX, I, I want to say that was the one. 
for you know for all all those reasons and then the weird um you know having to fit in playing time with your older brother your younger brother um you know the rest of your childhood who knows what you what we were doing but like having just to find the time to like get through what is it 40 hours at least i want to say yeah. something like that it was multi-disc yep you know i was fi finally like really into something um having you know like you touched on having to like smuggle my own memory card in order to play it i still remember going to buy buy the 20 dollar or 30 dollar mem card from gamestop and i'm just like all right but, you know feeling just like uh you know it had that level of intrigue and mystery to it where you know i kind of had to sneak it in and while you were working ostensibly i don't know uh, what was going on but yeah just having to fit it in se secretly and mm -hmm. that adding to the enjoyment all the more like oh i can only get 30 minutes because i know he's going to be home i mean it sounds like a tortured um, <laughs> relationship here but on top of that yeah just um games of that era leaning heavily into like I said, the, the emotional resonance um, of a story. Not so much relying on the detail, although, you know, if we went back and played them, maybe they would just fall apart, uh, their storylines. But it was just very much the the setting, the time frame, the, you know, the characters really grabbing uh, a hold of your attention. And it's kind of a super, super stimulating thing when you're 12 or 13 and you don't really stand a chance. You're just enthralled oh, yeah. by it. So, so yeah, that's the long-winded favorite game. And um, you were able to to blackmail me with threats of of revealing spoilers <laughs> as well. Which yeah, is well, because I got you know I kind of got out ahead of yeah ahead of the pack, so to speak. And who knows what the bargains were, and we're both equally guilty for <laughs> for wrongdoing, but. Yeah, I think we we struck a bar an agreement, a bargain. I mean, who knows in the first place why I was even disallowed? <laughs> right. Uh, who knows? Like just the art, you know, it's arbitrarily set as a, a no. Like you cannot do this. It's so you know having to find your own way and then barter for yourself. I think ultimately we were both happy with, you know, with how it went, and I think so. I think we were so. we relaxed on that stuff. Oh, yeah. Soon after, you know, it was who, who knows all those, uh, you know, in the, all those dynamics with getting into little fights with your siblings, and then they have this little power uh, chip over you that they can use if they have something you really want, mm -hmm. and the other one, the younger one, not not having that same advantage necessarily of oh, I have something you can't get and. <laughs> It's uh, you know, if uh, if you don't behave a certain way, or if you just bug me for no reason, I'm just gonna take it away. And I mean, we've all that's yeah, very relatable. Yeah, we've we've done that, and uh, yeah, thank thankfully you outgrow those things, sure, or yeah. hopefully you outgrow those things. But no doubt. Um, all right, Moses, what what do you have? Uh, uh question that I don't usually get to ask John what's the first game that you remember beating Paul at 
Well, probably an er, you know, an early game. It didn't take long to, to catch and then turn the table. Going back to my earlier sentiment, but I think oh, yeah. um, this was just, you were just priming the pump for this question. You didn't know it yet. <laughs> uh, just I think, and Paul will refresh my memory if I'm mistaken. But my, Mario Kart, uh, Super Nintendo, you know, yeah, it was it was tough going back and forth. There was kind of this contention because I would get to choose Koopa, who we all thought was somehow the most, like you were most advantaged if you could race as him. And I think Paul would race as him when we were not uh, playing together. Mm -hmm. But then when I would play, that's pretty nice. He'd let me play Koopa. And I don't know, he'd switch to Mario. So just kind of the milk toast. It was, it and, was Yoshi. Uh, Yo, Yoshi. Okay, see, thank you. See this? That's fine. Well, this is hard. This is hard for me. To, I'm digging up some good stuff here. Yeah. So Yoshi, and I don't think I would consistently beat him, but the battle, you know, the different battle royales and. The oh yeah. Grand it was more Prix. like the first time you remembered beating him, not like the game you dominated or anything. Yeah, I think it was like a battle, you know, battle mode. Like you're finally, you getting you're getting lucky. You're dodging, like some of his offense. And you've learned a few things while he was at, well, he wasn't working back then. <laughs> You're too, too young. But, you know, you get off a few shells. Those games, I guess, are well-made because they're balanced. You know, you you have a little bit of chaos in there where the underdog can, can come storming back. So, uh, yeah, Absolutely. I think just this simple, uh, you know, the simple battles. in uh, head back to the card. Right? Yeah. Awesome. <clears throat> My next question if you got to choose faster and weaker or a slower and stronger character. Oh, definitely the latter This this slower, you know, there for the long haul. I feel like, I mean, you, the obvious thing that pops into everyone's mind or your, your two minds are like the ice hockey uh, mm -hmm. selection. Like who, you know, yeah, whoever. Your there. say it again. I'm cutting out your middle option there. Yeah. <laughs> well, like whoever fielded a team of all just skinny waves and just thought like, ah, this is how I'm going to beat my brother. No, you bulk those guys up. Like, I don't think there was much drawback. Uh, you just, maybe it wasn't as balanced, but you got, you know, maybe you keep a, you know, relatively svelte middleman to, you know, to get the puck up the, up the, uh, the rink. But, no, you need at least two of those big biggins, and uh, <laughs> and you're just they're back there, like they can sit back there on defense, and they're they have the holding power. They're not going anywhere. They're not going to get knocked down. So I think it started there with just okay, give me some some give me a stout companion, and yeah. uh, and then from there, you know, I think games kind of get you know changed. Uh, Got a little more complex. All of a sudden, it wasn't such an easy answer. And okay, you need more of a balance. But yeah, stronger, uh, studlier, steadier. If you got to choose it, fair enough. Um, and finally, you know, I had a few other questions that like popped into mind. It would have been a little more personal, but I just think this is just a goofy question. It's fun. Uh, if you could have a video game character as a real life friend, uh, which character would you choose? Yeah. That's fantastic to think about. 
probably uh, from Tales, from Sonic and Tales. I mean, we were, that, you know, let's go back to the beginning because we had those, we had um, the stuffed animals, we had the memorabilia, the t-shirts, like we imagined, I mean, heck, we played the game, but we'd spend more time just imagining these realms where I was that character, Paul was Sonic, whatever it may be. We watched the Saturday morning cartoon. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were as close to a part of, you know, a friendship, uh, something in our minds um, that brought us all kinds of things, comfort and kind of inspiration. So yeah, yeah it would have to be the, the Tails character. Tails of although I, Yeah, though I, you know, it's hard to define that character. I don't, it's not like there was a lot known about his attributes, except for just being really friendly and dependable. And I guess that's at least what we might have going for us in our lives. And he can, he can fly you around too. Yeah. Yeah. Bail you out. Uh, excellent. All right. Well, we will then turn it over, John, to your topic or topics uh what where do you want to start we you know we can kind of do a debate format or pro and con real quickly about my idea of you know i jokingly said is john the better gamer but it's more more so is john the more you know what where is that difference between paul and john where i'm like super interested in these few um, selections and Paul is more broadly interested, but then also super interested in certain things like that, you know, that's an interesting thing to tease apart and think about like what, you know, what exactly is that, uh, that di- um, differential, you know, why, why would I be more into those um, somewhat more strategic or uh, nuanced games uh, without seeming, you know, without like the immediate payoff. And then Paul into not like the broader game, but just like the, you know, the, the easier to establish yourself in, in, in a game, in a role. Um, so yeah, I was just thinking about that difference and what we might be able to comment on or not. Yeah, I mean, I think Adam is a great example. I mean, we played it while we were quite young. uh, And it's a very, very challenging game. So why, why were you better at it than me? Uh, I mean, I think, I think a lot of it comes down to patience. Mm -hmm. And Adam, I want to keep going, I want to take risks. I want to see the things and do the things, but you and Luke as well, uh, you know, I was telling Moses before you came on, like he beat it with like a a hobbit farmer, you know, and just the depths of patience required for that. Um, So, I mean, I think it speaks to, to some core personality differences, but it's interesting that it wasn't more equalized through the medium of, games mm-hmm. that that it also expressed itself through our taste in games yeah you mentioned luke at some side of the spectrum where it's almost to a fault of just 
you know, are you really enjoying something at that moment or are you just trying to like post a, you know, a record for record's sake? And then you're just kind of blasting through something. I think there, yeah, there's definitely that dynamic involved. So much of it is, you know, if you're talking about deeper, more complex human tendencies, it's hard to really nail any of those down. But yeah, Adon was one example. Um, you know, there was a, a time where we were both playing World of Warcraft a lot, as I'm sure at least one of your episodes has touched on. And I even remember, like, that was pretty cut and dried, like, who, you know, you, you actually battled one another. Mm-hmm. So it was pretty easy to see, like, who was superior uh, in, that, in that realm. And <laughs> just your goddamn subtlety spec'd. Well, like, I well, mean, that, that's all it is right there. It's right in the name, subtlety, you know? Well, and, you know, we're getting in, well, as we should, it's a video game podcast. We're getting into the nuts and bolts of the mechanics, but, you know, we were both the, the same class. We both, you know, had more or less played it, uh, picked it up at the same time. I ended up playing it, I think, a lot more than you. So maybe it was just down to, to you know, having that as practice. But then I remember eventually we were able to like have play on our own separate computers. And then, the, you know, the day came when we like dueled one another. And yeah, there was always like that, that two-tiered um, differential between us, which I thought was always kind of funny. And then throw Mark in the mix and he's like somewhere... It's silly to rank any of us, but like somewhere beneath you. And then we were all <laughs> able to, Terrible. we're all, it is, it is. We're all able to kind of, you know, play this similar game in, in different ways. But it was just kind of funny that I seemed to uh, excel in that one area. And I, EVP, I don't know. I, especially. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. That mainly, that mainly. But who knows? Any of it, it's just funny to have a laugh about it. And, um, you know, there are also those games where we were much more back and forth and you would tend to have the upper hand, you know, the Smash Brother years, the Mario Party um, mm-hmm. events we'd have with our friends. I don't think, if anything, you, you know, you were always kind of the dominant figure and I, I, one of us might get on a little run of luck or just inspiration in that moment. But overall, you, uh, you you had it over us. I almost asked a Mario Party question. <laughs> Just, yeah. It was tempting. It was darn tempting. Yeah, uh, there's a lot, a lot there, too. Yeah. <laughs> it brings to mind um, Hearthstone, which you didn't yeah. even play that much. And But when you would beat me with the, the warrior class, <laughs> he had some kind of... <laughs> specialty like deception thing that would just pull the rug out from under you oh my god i i would rage at hearthstone so bad and playing against you would would certainly trigger that yeah Um, yeah that was the the most recent you know if you're only talking a handful of years ago um yeah those when those are funny moments to think about in the abstract like you have two people that are, you know, so important in one another's lives, but they're sitting in these remote locations, you know, silently. Um, 
participating and then the just the emotion the anger the energy uh, created by all of this and this i don't think we ever used like the communication formats or ventrilo or any of that so you would just know like silently like if you got the upper hand in something or if you pulled off like a come from behind victory like you would just picture the other the, the other brother just like seething or just you know having an intensely frustrating uh, moment and yeah it give you some kind of weird solace or the, the character yeah. portrait all just out of nowhere just explodes and you, you know <laughs> that i've that i've raged yeah. with <laughs> oh yeah well boy we're really rehashing well because we play starcraft mm -hmm. and <laughs> and we like played over the modem somehow like i would go over to a friend's house so you know we we're both all right, we're both in two remote locations. We can play one another. I don't know if I was better or worse, but the times I do remember, you you know, like it wasn't even like I would win and all everything would be uh, destroyed and you you know you battle to the last moment. It would just be like one crucial tipping point where I would get the upper hand and then the. The connection would just die <laughs> so it'd be like kind of like chess i guess where it's like okay you can see the writing on the wall yeah um you know it's just it's just over and then be like well i guess i'll see him tomorrow or we won't really talk about it ever again and yeah just that level of connection with the yeah i don't think our our rival our rivalry was ever real or any you know i'm just mainly joking about it because honestly we would just enjoy you know the games we had together it wasn't like some big contest at all that's why it's funny to look back on it and see those areas where one excelled or the other <clears throat> and i mean it was a it was a boon that we had such divergent tastes mm -hmm. you know um because we both got to share things that uh the other person might not might not have checked out, you know, Baldur's Gate, not that I ever made it that far, but the reasons I, I did try it, you know, was, was thanks to you and, and Luke a lot. So. Mm -hmm. Well, I wanted to have a question to you both in the similar vein of your six questions towards me. Um, thinking about like how much we identify with the characters we would play in these games and you put so much of your own creativity into them. What is your favorite character name that you ever um, used? And these are games where you have, you know, you'd have to name your character. It wouldn't just be the predetermined storyline. Yeah. So you know that could be any RPG or or Adam or uh, you know, most, I, it seems like a 50-50 split. Like most games would have you name, you know, your one of your characters. So Mo, did anything that, that, that really awkward point in uh, the <clears throat> Zelda franchise where they were like, enter your name here. And they're like, no, his name is Link. Why are you asking me to enter my name? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. Uh, Paul, nobody's ever flipped our questions on us before. Yeah. Um... I'm kind of enjoying this. I mean, you, you know, obviously we, we throw stuff at each other, but uh, that's this is good. This is good. Yeah, one comes to mind. Um, it's actually uh, back to Chrono Cross, um, 
but there was this girl I liked at the time named Sarah. So I named the female character Sarah. And uh, there's this pivotal moment in the game where you swap bodies with the villain, Lynx. Uh, and it plays a, a, a CG cutscene, like a fully pre-rendered cutscene. And uh, it's not voiced, but you see uh, your character now in the body of Lynx, like, yell something out. It's like a two-syllable word. And my brain told me that he yelled Sarah. In, in, in like, the cutscene. In the cutscene. And it, it looked like that was what he mouthed. You know, I'm like, holy shit, how did it know? Like, I just didn't think it through that, of course, that couldn't possibly be. Um and then uh, I also loved uh, Pog, is what I named uh, Vivi from mm -hmm. Final Fantasy IX. I thought that was very appropriate for this little almost a better black mage. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, and we'll get to Mo, but like those moments where you actually <clears throat> come up with a better name than you know than maybe the game designer. Yeah, and then uh, or at least you tell yourself that. Right. <laughs> the last one for me has got to be uh, good old Wobitide from yeah. World of Warcraft. Yeah. Uh, no one ever knew how to pronounce it. No, no. It's a very that, strange looking name. That was, if you asked me that question, that'd be mine, I guess, just favorite of anyone's names. But because, yeah, we obviously played that a ton. And you, yeah, when you create, came up with that name, and then I had my similar dwarf uh, rogue named Graybell. Which, Which I thought cool. was a cool, a cool name for the like for the setting and like name, absolutely. So the two of us together, like it was it was pretty cool when we'd go questing or uh, just in any kind of group format. It felt like very unique. I mean, that's a game that forces you into just kind of these predetermined roles, and there's not a ton of room for creativity. Um, but I feel like we always were, you know, we were able to let a lot of that come through. Mm -hmm. Work those angles. Yeah, I mean, the natural place to go for me is certainly World of Warcraft. And I've, I've touched on this before with my whole set of FFF <clears throat> characters. Mm -hmm. um, and Fgarm, the Warlock, is probably the favorite of the name variants that I came up with that. But it was nice being in a guild where a lot of people had a lot of alts. And a lot of people had alts with all kinds of random names. But knowing that, like, I was always identifiable. My character's name always started with EFF. It was always F. We were on vent. It could always just be F. Nobody had any question who they were talking to. But it also felt like good and warlocky, like mm -hmm. F Garm. So, you know. Um, and then all your, all your alts were named the FF of some variation. Yeah. Well, the first one was Efron. Um, as I've, I've, we, we touched on this in the podcast just pretty recently, uh, be, right before Zach Efron became like a widespread pop phenomenon it was an accident that i made a, a blood elf priest with a you know blonde spiky hair um totally unintentional because i didn't you know i couldn't predict the future and i was not tuned into the teen beat um but he was the original f and i he probably i probably played him the most just because yeah i definitely created that character to fill out a need within the guild in terms of wanting another healer um but he gave rise to a few others i, I think there were four of them and actually f is the only one that i can recall in this moment I know the shaman had an F name too. And I think I, yeah, I did. I made a ranger at some point just because I'd never made one. And I was like, oh, let's just see. Let's just see how it feels to play the character class that everybody loves to hate. 
So definitely I got to go with FGARM. Although when it comes to attachment, and I guess this is a thing I do is I name characters variants. And I'm only just now kind of facing this. <laughs> Paul knows where I'm about to go, which is Dark Souls. And um, Johnson, the original, my original Dark Souls character, uh, who has given rise to, to Yarn and Yarnston and Yarnson and a whole <laughs> wide range of, of uh, derivative names. But Johnson still sits there in the background. He's, he's gone hollow, but he's uh, you know, still close to my heart. So The lineages, yeah. That's, yeah. a, that's, a, that's okay. an interesting thing. I dig that aspect of it for sure. And, um, you know, and it, and it is kind of funny. Uh, <laughs> I actually just had not thought about that tie in there, but. I, it's something I was envious of and, and may still be if, uh, if the situation warranted it, but you and Luke had a better knack for coming up with natural yet mm -hmm. unique names, original names, you know, um i can't remember too many more off the top of my head but i know brick dust uh that was a, that was a solid one was good like mine like my hall of fame adam was like a young adult collection yeah. of names and like you and luke was like approaching tolkien you know it was very, yeah very curated mercurial yeah i don't know it's you, you've got a you've got a knack for it i guess since I'm turning the tables, or so you've said, I did have one other um, thing I wanted to throw at you both. And this is, well, I think, I'm sure you've discussed a big part of you know gaming and the reason why people um, connect so much with the games they play is the music mm -hmm. that accompanies the games. Um, I mean, I was thinking before I came on today of like, I would actually can remember a couple of times I would buy the CDs, like the soundtracks, because I was as much into the music of some of these games as actually playing them. And I remember like early days of eBay spending, you know, like $50 for a CD from like from Japan, uh, I'm assuming, because it, you know, it was like a seven week shipping and $50. And like, is this like there's no reviews of anything. So it's like, is this even a real thing? There's like a photo here, but so yeah, thinking of the music that accompanies a lot of these games, I wanted to kind of throw a little music trivia at you both. And I think you'll be, it's just three songs. And I think, you know, they're not the most obvious, but you're both very sharp, you know, um, sharp ears and extensive gaming, um, knowledge so you'll probably get the games but i'm curious if you can get the names like a name of a song or a, a place and um we'll just kind of go honor system you know the quality probably won't be ideal but i'll just play this song kind of from a random moment within the song so i don't want this the beginning to give it away or anything and then either one of you if you have a strong inclination as to what it might be Maybe uh, chime in, um, but we'll uh, we'll start with this first one here. Yeah, that's a that's that's a gimme. Anything from you, Moses? I'm having trouble pinning the. I don't think I can pin the location. Yeah, that's tricky. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, if I played the whole song, you might, but just off that. 
Um, yeah, so that's um, that's Melodies of Life from Final Fantasy Nine. Yeah, I mean, ba yeah, basically, I think it it's within like the the zone music of this Southgate. Oh, um, I always love Southgate. Yeah, yeah, which is what I like. I was just kind of scrolling through this this soundtrack. Mm -hmm. And it's laid out in such a way that, you know, as you progress in the game, you go to all these places. I'm like, oh, yeah, I always love the motif there. And then the overarching song for that game was, yeah, as you mentioned. Um, so, yeah, Paul gets the single point because he didn't know the... <laughs> He didn't know the actual. <laughs> of course, of course. He didn't know the actual zone, but we'll give him a single point. Um, this next one will will probably be quick too. I'll let it play just a second, so you might get the zone. I can't place that at all, but it's dope. And yeah, Moses looked, yeah, I mean, he looked downright stumped. So I'm super stumped on this one. Paul thought he, I think Paul thought he had it for a moment. No, I definitely remember it. That that little flute and the didgeridoo. I mean, the, the twanging, dry, like a kind of a sound or something. <clears throat> oh, I <clears throat> I know it's. I don't think it's a World of Warcraft dungeon or area oh man it might be though yeah i you can come back to it i mean i have one more so okay i don't want you to risk your point because i would deduct one if you were mistaken <laughs> oh, <shit>. <laughs> you didn't realize the stakes were so high neither i know right <laughs> so uh i i will do this last one and it won't be a rick roll although <laughs> If I could cue it up fast enough, that'd be that would good. be. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I feel like these are a little weighted towards towards my. Uh... <laughs> that was bound to be the case. Yeah, I suppose. I suppose. Well, I mean, like, what can you do? I feel like we played the same stuff growing up. So, I, and then there's only so much of this stuff I remember as being the, you know, your favorites. But, yeah. yeah, most so, definitely. Yeah, no, and yeah. I mean, as uh, as uh, Paul and I have discussed previously, I, I've spent significantly less time, uh, especially in the world of uh, of Nintendo consoles. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that is a, a throwback to the uh, Chrono Trigger uh, uh, main theme, but it is from Chrono Cross, and I believe mm. the name of the track is, an, well, it's Another I mean, World? Uh, no, it's, uh, it's uh, Planes of Time. Planes of Time. Okay. But, but, but I don't know, like maybe... So many of these songs have within them like the overarching theme song. Oh, you know what? So another world is right. another world is when you go to the alternate world and it's a lot yep, more yep. sort of pensive. So, so I think this planes of time says it's like when you're in the home world yeah. over screen. Yep. And that's what you were kind of walking around to. 
sailing around too. There wasn't any like random battles, so you could just kind of chill. Yeah, and, oh, uh, like trundle around. Um, and just like fantasize about the map, and like there was this yeah. part with like water yeah. flowing in from the edge, and I'm like, man, if there's got to be like is, more world up there, but what is that? Breathe. Like, there's this whole second disc. Like, what's on that? Yeah. But well, no, I appreciate you both playing in Moses, especially with this slight disadvantage. Um, no doubt, no doubt. I, I will say then, it's fun because there's a, I, I, like I, I'm detecting like familial resemblances in these tracks to, to yeah. other, other games. Like there's a distinct resonance with that one to like a Mario desert. Yeah. Sure, the, the, the twanging, um, I don't know what that would be, just like a short harp or something. Whatever that twanging noise is, exactly. I mean, it's digital, who knows. But, um, and, and even uh, a couple of the kind of the melodic movement of it is, yeah. Has, has a familiar resemblance there, so I was like, I know it's not that major but, to minor, but I can I can uh, hear this uh, mixolydian or whatnot uh, thing going on, pentatonic, whatever. Well, I guess I for those listening at home, I should identify that second track. Well, no, for me too, because I am and Paul, I'm just <laughs> in a I mean, real here, spot over here. Like, well, since you're really itching, let me uh, that flute. Here, I'll play a little later into the track. Some high flutes there. Yeah. It's, uh, it's... Stranglethorn Vale. Oh. Overworld music. So I was... You were right. I you know, and there. actually when... Uh, my... my guess was that it was going to be stv or sunken temple when you were like yeah. maybe it's world of warcraft i was like if it is it's got to be down on that con part of the continent yeah i should have gone for it yeah well they had really good like i think we spent a lot of time or at least i did in that zone mm -hmm. just because i was exploring every inch of it and then they had the uh the treasure battle that i really enjoyed oh, where the arena the arena yeah. the arena the right? free for all yeah, that Where, was, and that was early before a lot of other kind of yeah. those types of things were going on. And that was every like three hours or two hours or something. Yeah, and of course the fishing contest. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, that music was always uh, a strong one. But... There you go. It was fun being a rogue and just hanging out mm -hmm. down in the arena. And then this stealth druid cat like walks by you and you hear the stealth noise. And... Oh, yeah. It was... <laughs> Um, great. Well, yeah, some good memories and, uh, yeah, I, it makes me want to explore the wow soundtrack a little bit. Like there were some real nice. Oh yeah. Um, but I believe, uh, it is time for our final segment on the show. It is a little segment called make my game, <laughs> make my game. This week from the studio Silent Newt Games. I, I like that. Silent Newt Games is Storm Calamity. Well, they were kind of a, they were kind of an offshoot studio of the like the Sim Simulator, the Sims Studio, if I recall. Maxis. Is, oh, that Sims came from Maxis. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So yeah, this silent, 
this silent knew it. I think a couple of their devs kind of peeled off and they just did disaster recreation um, simulators. <laughs> and you said this was a storm. Uh, st it, it was the storm one. I forget the uh, storm calamity is the name. Yeah. So uh, all of a sudden there's 10, 10 or 15, you know, pre-described scenarios where there are storms. There's tornadoes, hurricanes, you know, depending on what um, zone of the country you're in, you can go and just be the man on the ground. You know, in one of the scenarios, you might be the weather person. In another scenario, you know, you might be the emergency responder, but very much a simulator, very just kind of dry gameplay, like you're adjusting the dials on your storm tracker. Uh, you're driving around, you know, kind of this poorly designed map that you're hitting a dead end here where you can just tell they gave up trying to design it. And, oh, I'm supposed to go toward the tornado because if I went the opposite direction, of course, they didn't spend that much time like rendering this whole world. So to me, I, if I'm remembering right, it was it was just a straight up uh, simulator. <clears throat> I, I yeah, like I'm right it. there with you with the uh, the weatherman level that definitely stands out as as a prime prime example um you know you got the early early ramp up on that level where you're actually you know you're trying to fake it before the the storm actually kicks in and then you're you're stuck in it right now you're dealing with the actual survival uh component of the game with all of its clunkiness yeah and i liked there were different different roles like there was like a determined homesteader who like refuses yeah to leave their property in spite of the evacuation order, you know, of course, the water high water level. Um, and then you, <laughs> you could one. adjust the parameters. Okay. You know, everyone knows what it's like when like, you know, New Orleans floods, but what happens when New Orleans is caught in a, in a firestorm, you know, can you survive With the tornado. that? Yeah. Can you, and yeah, being able to like blend the, the different uh, disasters and make your own meta disasters. Well, I think that that's when you, so you, you beat all 15 simulations and then they let you into sim creator mode where all of a sudden you can pick any of these levels. Okay, you're in New Orleans and you want the water features up to a maximum of 10 and you want a tor the tornado features. Well, no, there's never tornadoes down there. Well, now there is on this, you know, this free sim world and you're bringing in hurricanes, you're bringing in earthquakes, you bring in tornadoes still all with the same clunky gameplay and then they, you know if you're this weatherman you know it's just your dream come true forecasting all these different natural disasters but i think the one problem they ran into was this was made in the 90s and climate change was never really on the radar so all of their parameters are just not up to snuff so to speak like you can only turn the rain up to three inches and that was considered a disaster <laughs> Whereas now, you know, it's it could be 20 inches. Right. Like tornadoes, like they just had the F1, 2, or 3. Well, you know, you're seeing F6s now. So I just feel like they were frozen in time, uh, not able to, you know, foresee this, this future we're all living through. It's true, but the one thing it definitely had going for it was uh, kind of the destructibility of the environment, you know, clunky interface, but its ability to, to, to really respond to your different simulation conditions. Um, you couldn't crank them up to 11, but, um, but definitely it was, it was ahead of its time in that respect as, uh, you know, kind of tends to happen when you get that small focus team that's really, uh, 
all about a proven proven mechanic trying to push it further, right? Yeah, and there was sort of the proto like Pokemon Snap style side activities with the weatherman, where you're trying to like catch the most outrageous photos without, you know, getting swept away by by the currents. Each you know each character had their own mission. The homesteader was to survive. The weatherman get some pictures. Uh, you know, disaster relief. You were looking for for survivors. Bodies, um, body count. <laughs> well, yeah, you could. There was the, the the coroner DLC where you know it's you're just looking for for dead pets for, <laughs> for six hours. The president DLC where you know you come in after the uh, after the event has happened and <laughs> try to put a positive spin on things. Or you could just fly over and, and look out look out the window. And, and oh yeah, we could. I mean, they like I said, the studio had all the simulators, so they had the flight simulator. And I think there was a, yeah, there was a way you could connect the two talking about the, you know, the two cartridges, you would just stack the flight simulator on top of the disaster um, sims, and then just be able to fly over, check weather patterns, you know, kind of tune into some, some long distance uh, airplane radio and just sur survey at a much, you know, more granular scale. Granular. Fair enough. This was, of course, what ultimately led to Silent Newt's demise. <laughs> you know, they drilled down so far into this very narrow technology. The interface was so clunky. Like, oh, yeah, it, was, it was the scream heard nowhere. <laughs> uh, great. Well, I think that uh, that completes our, our reminiscing of uh, Silent Newt games with their one and only. Uh, the game that, that bankrupted a studio while capturing our hearts, Storm Calamity. Um, and speaking of calamities, uh, it is time for this podcast to end. Uh, but uh, big thanks to, uh, to you, John, for being with us today. Absolutely thrilled. Yeah, this was a ton of fun. I feel like the, the different directions we could go are numerous and deep. So many uh, memories kind of jogged, just kind of retreading this. I haven't thought about a lot of these things in quite a while. So, yeah, yeah, I'll have to, I'll come back for number sixty. All right, 60. we will definitely have to bring you back. That no, is I'll come back. Happy to come back anytime. It's fun to get into the minutia of a lot of this stuff because we're the really the only the only two. And then Moses, you were there for for the latter years. But I mean, there's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot of deep stuff in there trying to decipher and pick it apart. Um, you know, this is quality podcast content ranging from two to four hours. Yeah. Um, that maybe we'll start a, a Patreon mm -hmm. for, those, for those deep dives. Uh, and Moses, as always, thank you for being with us this week as well. Yeah, absolutely. Paul, as always, thank you for leading the charge. You got it. Uh, and uh, to everyone else uh, out there, uh, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Paul and Moses Play. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, please email us at paulandmosesplay at gmail.com. We'll see you next week. And until then, never, never stop, stop, stop playing. playing. playing.